There's a common saying that link building is a game of execution. And while the broad strategies are no longer really a trade secret, how you actually execute them within your team makes all the difference in the world in terms of results. And today on the podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Jason Malone. He's the founder of We Outreach. They're a link building agency that builds really high quality links and a lot of them. I'm talking several hundred every single month. They have, I think, 20 plus staff now as well. So they have some really interesting challenges and problems that they've had to solve along the way. And I really like the way Jason thinks about problem solving. So when we shot this podcast, we ended up getting in some really nerdy discussions about the ins and outs of different link building processes. Sometimes as site owners, we get so, so focused on our own site and our own business that we can sometimes miss bigger trends and bigger opportunities. And Jason has some really cool data and insights from his team just because of their scale. I think that today's interview really highlights some big changes that have happened in the industry within the last year, particularly for the sort of outreach style link building. If you're brand new to link building, to be honest, this podcast might not actually be for you. We did a video last week on our YouTube channel giving an overview of the state of link building and some interesting strategies that you can try in 2023. So if you're new, go check that out. This episode of the podcast starts off very technical and only gets more technical as we go through it. So it's more for kind of intermediate and advanced link builders. So if that's you, definitely stick around because you'll love this one. And you know, I really hate generic, non-actionable advice. Unfortunately, in the SEO world, we're surrounded by it all the time. So when Jason and I were discussing doing this podcast episode, he had a few ideas for things he wanted to cover, including building relationships. And instantly when he said that, a red flag went off in my head. I was like, this has a real danger of being, you know, very sort of wishy-washy, non-specific, non-actionable for solopreneurs and site owners. So I was like, okay, we can do this, but you have to give us your exact process and break it down in a way that any site owner working with themselves or a small team is able to replicate what you're doing and do it themselves too. And that part ended up being really interesting. So it's a little bit later on in the episode, but definitely, definitely stick around and listen to that part. Jason and I are both very process-driven people. I think that's why we get along so well. And so he actually gives away in this episode a number of tools that they use in their team to kind of streamline their, their link building process. Like one of the most difficult things when you have a team of people, when you're trying to teach them what sites you want links from and what sites you don't. Okay, there are the obvious cases, which are obviously good sites and obviously bad sites, but more and more in 2023, there's this like big area in the middle that's like, well, you know, it's it's okay, it could be, maybe it's not, or maybe they're doing some stuff to kind of mask what's really going on behind the scenes. And usually the only way that you can teach a new link builder or a junior link builder how to make that sort of you know decision is through experience and it takes a long time to do that and what i found fascinating was that jason has developed this tool i mean it's, it's a spreadsheet it's not really a tool but you'd put in a bunch of data like quantitative data and it gives you this like grade score which i found really interesting uh, he says it works 
90% of the time for 90% of cases, which is a pretty damn good start for a, a quantitative tool that's so easy to use for a, a junior link builder. So you can get that tool in this podcast. Let's see, he also gives away their entire blacklist of sites that they, they've deemed low quality that they don't wanna get links from. So, I mean, first of all, you, you absolutely must be so, I, I mean, you have to be running a blacklist if you're doing any kind of link building. So, you know, you can get that tool, get that list rather, and just stick it on the end of your blacklist and, and make your, your process much smoother. So yeah, really good episode we've got coming up. A lot of interesting discussion and debate. And it also ended up being quite a long episode as well. So a ton of value in here. I'm not gonna tease you anymore. Let's get started. Let's get into it. Stick around. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast, Jason Malone. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I'm the one that gets to ask that question and make someone else awkward for, for a change rather than it being Gail inflicting that pain on me so someone else knows how it feels. It's June. It's 2023, Jason. It's been, I think, four years since you were last on the podcast here. Now, a fair bit, I think it's fair to say that a fair bit has changed in link building, but a lot's also stayed the same. So can you give us a bit of an industry update of what is working in link building in 2023? Yeah, sure. So I think what stayed the same is like, it's still just one big numbers game. Like you, the inputs that go into your campaigns, are like prospects and like writing compelling messaging, like uh, sending like decent volumes of emails, all of that is is pretty much the same. And I think the big difference these days is it's actually much easier to get like quite a lot of opportunities to build links from these campaigns. Like if anything, I see even more responses to these types of campaigns. But the big thing is that many of those are also from like very low quality websites. So I think there's been like generally like a big reaction from the websites on the internet who are just getting like emails day in and, and day out uh, from, from people like asking to build links. I, I think the natural reaction is many of them just like start selling out and start selling links. And so the thing is when you do an outreach campaign these days, you get a lot of responses, a lot of opportunities to build links, but some of them aren't of, like some of them are shit websites basically, or quite, quite a lot of them. And so I think the game these days is being really good at sorting through the opportunities that come across your desk. So you set up your outreach campaigns, you get all of these responses and stuff uh, coming back, and then you need to be really good at filtering through them and kind of deciding which ones are worth your time and which ones are going to be high enough quality and which ones are just like not worth building links on. I think that's been a big change for like the type of outreach campaigns that, that we do. And Aside from that, I, I think it's just still one big numbers game. Uh, I don't think it's t changed too terribly. And maybe uh, relationships are a little bit more important as well, like focusing on building a, a relationship with the prospect you're talking to and providing value for them. I think in 2018, 19, it was very much this dynamic of the website owner, like builds nice content on their website, sends these outreach emails, and the angle of the email is all hey, look how great I am. This piece of content I have is great. Or like if it's Skyscraper, this piece of content is so much better than those other guys. Like, would you link to me? Whereas now it's much more about like, hey, yes, I want a link, but what can I do for you first so that you're going to be happy to give me a link in return? So some sort of value exchange. It's a little bit more 
transactional, I think. I think like every website suddenly, or not suddenly, but now knows that these links are very valuable and many SEOs, you know, are willing to pay for them or offer value in, in some way. So even, you know, you've got the sites who are, let's call them guest post farms of, of sorts. And we can get into, you know, the ins and outs of that in, in just a second. Um, but you've got those who, uh, kind of jumped all over that and we're like, let's just make loads of sites and uh, sell loads of links and that can be our, our business model. But you've also got the legit sites on there that's like, well, there is some way we can extract value from this and, you know, without selling out or appearing to selling out like like that as well. So, yeah, I think that's been a, a big change that we've noticed at both ends of the the spectrum as well. People have sorted themselves into different categories, like as a reaction to all of this outreach yeah, just the high volume of, of outreach email. As a reaction to that, people have either gone completely, like been completely jaded by the whole thing, like website owners, and just like any email that mentions backlink or guest post or link or anything, they just won't engage with any of it whatsoever. They just delete them all. They, it's impossible to start anything with them. Then there's other ones who've like completely sold out and just like sell links to anyone who has like $50 or whatever. And then there's this sweet spot in the middle of people who... They definitely want something as part of the deal, but uh, they also care about quality and you need something that's worth linking to for them to be willing to work with you. And you also need to give them some sort of value on your side of the deal. So let's just start for the very start of the process um, in terms of, of prospecting. Is there anything you're doing in 2023 in terms of finding prospects that you weren't doing four years ago or has anything changed there? Is it largely the same? So from like... We think of, of it as building like a raw prospect list first. And then uh, a lot of the work comes into like how you filter that list after. So building a raw prospect list is like uh, scraping Google for like keywords that are uh, relevant to whatever type of website you're trying to find or like the more skyscraper style where you build a list of your competitors and you uh, sort of export their, uh, their backlink profiles and, and that's sort of uh, your, your kind of raw list. So I think that is pretty much still the same way like it's very easy to build like a large list of reasonably relevant websites like that and then in terms of the filtering i think these days we mix in a lot more like manual checks through all of the websites before we send the camp the campaigns whereas the pure shotgun way of like four years ago when when i was i was last here i think it's harder to be uh, successful with that these days um, and so I think it's worth doing some more manual processing. Uh, also, like that applies. Are, are you for manual processing? You're talking about like filtering out sites which you know are just irrelevant, or are we talking about like DR and traffic and that kind of metric? No, so DR and traffic, yeah, but you can do that in an automated way. So like you get the list, you pull the DR traffic, you filter out whatever ranges you want to go for. For example, I think we'll filter everything below DR 15 and maybe uh, above DR 80. Or if we are going to outreach to ones above D or 80, we do that in a, as a separate list. Um, and then for the traffic as well, like uh, anything that's less than 500 traffic on, on Ahrefs, uh, we would remove all of that as well. So all of that is quick and, and automated. But then after that, yeah, going through the list one by one and thinking like, are these relevant for the campaign we're doing? Do they actually like produce content? Like, is there some sort of page on the website where if they reply to us, like we'll be able to get a link Do they have a blog or articles or whatever? Uh, and then also like some other basic things, like when you're doing this manual work, you can also find much higher quality contact uh, information. So that's, that's another thing we put a lot more uh, effort into, not just putting the list through Hunter and going with whatever is like the highest score result that, that we get back, but actually 
like uh, look on uh, on LinkedIn, like try and find who's like the content person or or the best contact there, and then try and find uh, their email address somehow from there. One trick that we use a lot is just to find the person on LinkedIn and then use a, like an email uh, permutator tool to like get 10 different versions of the possible email address that they might have, try and validate all of those 10 emails. Uh, like nine will be invalid and one will, will be valid. And then you'll find like this email address for someone that is probably a higher quality contact because it's the exact person that you want to talk to who's like the most appropriate for your message. But it's also an email address that's not in this like uh, Hunter database. And so probably they get less sort of spammy outreach emails from from link builders. And so it's kind of a, a higher quality contact. So I, I think in terms of prospecting, that's the, the biggest difference, just a little bit more filtering and preparation to like finalize the list. Would you describe that then as like a more sniper approach, at least on the prospecting side of things? It's more towards the sniper end of the scale, I would say. So we're still not customizing the messaging for, for each of the prospects on the list or trying to come up with sort of unique ways to appeal to each individual site. So it's more like, it's more like trying to have sort of a, a compelling message or template and apply that to like a certain segment of web of websites. So it's going to be relevant to all of those websites in that segment. So if we were doing outreach for like a photography website, we build a list of a bunch of other uh, photography websites. And then we know like in the template that we can talk about photography type of things because everyone on that list is relevant. And so it's a little bit more towards the sniper side of, of the spectrum, but still not as far that way as you can go, I would say. When it comes to sending the messages out then, like, first of all, what tools are you using for it? And what are you actually saying? Are you, are you going in there and saying, hey, we're a link building agency, we want a link, or is it more subtle than that? So we're still using Mailshake. Uh, we've tried a few other tools over the years, but Mailshake is, is just the best. And honestly, I got that, uh, like that deal they did somewhere near lifetime near deal on AppSumo. The yeah. lifetime deal. Yeah. So yeah. I think at one point we had like, uh, 200 email accounts just in this, like, uh, one Mailshake account. So we've gotten big value from that. But still using Mailshake, I think it's the best. I think the feature set is, is the best for what we need. And it's just reliable and solid and works well. And what we're saying in the messages is, so I think it's gotten, the messaging has gotten uh, simplified over time. So back in 2018, 19, we used to try and be a bit flowery with it sometimes or a bit creative or uh, try and have some sort of unique messaging. But uh, these days, it's better to just be direct. Like you said, like uh, we're a link building agency and like uh, being clear about that fact, the fact that you want a link upfront simplifies a lot of the conversation because if you try and like show them a piece of content and ask uh, like, oh, what do you think about this piece of content? Then a lot of times you just confuse them and you don't get anywhere with that. So I think it's much better to just clearly state, hey, I want a link. Uh, and then, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, a big thing is, yes, we want the link, but what value can we give to you first? And so you kind of set set the stage as that, but just try and make them an offer that they would feel uh, stupid saying uh, no to. There's an Alex Hermosi book, $100 million offers. He does it for businesses. That's how he frames it. But I think that's what you should try and do with your link building campaigns too. And the main ways you can offer them value is uh, like with cash, 
with a guest post or with uh, like a link exchange or a three-way link exchange. Are you upfront in the initial email saying, hey, do you want one of these three things? Or are you saying, you know, we can make it worth your while or something a bit more subtle? We mix it up. So usually I think we stick, we'll pick one of those to focus on because if you give them like three options, I think that's just a bit confusing. It's easier to just go and say, like, what if we do a link exchange and sort of describe why it's going to be good for them, like why you're different than the typical link builders and why it's going to be worth their time, basically. And then like, if you don't get a response from that, or if there's like some hesitation around that, then you have the other the other two options as your like backup plans. So if they're not into a link exchange, then you can say, okay, well, like, what about a guest post? Or if they're not into that, you can say, okay, like we could pay for a link or, or try and try and feel them out, like once the conversation gets going. But uh, yeah, we'll pick one and be like direct uh, in in the first email that we we send to them. You guys have this uh, fairly simple but um, fairly well thought out like link vetting tool that you use to to kind of evaluate whether this is a, a good link or a bad link. Now you, you talked. We'll get into that in a sec. But you talked about this being a sort of hybrid shotgun sniper approach. Are you vetting the sites? at that initial prospecting phase or are you waiting until they reply to do like the full do we really want a link from this site analysis so we do a light version of the vetting before we send any email so when we're going through that filtering stage there's some like very simple yes no answers that sort of any va with like a very small amount of of training can do to keep it like simple and fast and cheap can you give us an example of the types of things they're looking at there yeah an obvious one is like is the website relevant is, is the very first one. Or like, do they have a section that is relevant? Like for doing outreach for a golf website, is there some sort of content about golf or sports on the website? Uh, if no, then it's not going to be a good prospect. So just like get rid of them. If uh, do they have, do they actually produce content? Like do they have a blog or an article section or something like that? Because, or a resource page maybe. If they don't have that, then there's even if they respond to us and they're into it like there's no place for us to get a, a link from and i think those are the two main ones uh, alongside the 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 dior and, and traffic filtering those are the main ones like to get started in that pre-phase after that we'll be more thorough when they respond to us that's when we do the full check i love the way you say dr with that irish accent there <laughs> So just to get back to the vetting part, kind of after they've responded then, I mean, we talked about this a lot over the last couple of years with guest post farms coming up a lot and, you know, how do you really identify them? Some of them have gotten really good at disguising themselves. Um, and, you know, some people I think are maybe a bit too harsh on some sites. Some people don't really know what they're looking for. How should I, as a site owner, make sense of this? I mean, where, where do I even start? What, what, what should I be looking at? Yeah. So the way that I like to describe this is like, firstly, simplify it and remember what you're looking for from link building. Uh, like obviously the website that you're trying to get a link from has like link juice or like it has the value from the links that it has. And by you getting a link from them, you're looking for a share of that to be passed to your website, which sends a positive signal to, to the Google algorithm. That's pretty obvious and, and everyone kind of knows that. And you can see that by like either looking at the link profile itself or like judging, it's not a perfect metric, by, uh, but judging by the Dior uh, of, of the website. And uh, the, the second thing uh, a lot from that is like a website can have a really good link profile, but that's useless if there's something happening with Google that is like nullifying the value of that link profile. And uh, so you want to look for signals that there's no sort of issue with uh, Google considering considering the website like uh, to be 
like not worth the links that it has for for some reason if that makes sense like there's some reason why they might be nullifying the value of those links and i think the best way to look at that is with the amount of traffic a website gets and the keywords that it it ranks for and the theory is very simple and most link building agencies use both of of these uh, metrics dor da and, and traffic but the reason for the the traffic is because if a website is getting a lot of organic traffic then it's a reasonable assumption i think to think that Google thinks the website is at least of a reasonable uh, quality because they're they're willing to send the traffic from their from their search engine. And the other thing also is if a website is is ranking for keywords, that's sort of further evidence of the strength of their link profile. Like the link profile is strong enough to provide enough value for that website alongside their content and their on-site optimization to rank for whatever keywords it's 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 ranking for. So um, I think that's the first thing is like. The, you assess the amount of sort of link juice potential by either looking at the link profile or the Dior, and then you verify that this is not sort of nullified by Google based on how much traffic the, the website is getting. I think that's the, the first thing to, to think about. Uh, and then the, the third and final thing after that is thinking about the, the future value uh, of, of that link. And there's a risk in the future that Google will nullify the website or the value of its link juice. And my theory about this is that it's more likely to happen if a website has like a really strong pattern of spammy outbound links. And so the way you give yourself insurance for the future is looking at the outbound link profile of the website and looking for like patterns of it linking out to like other shitty sort of spammy places. The theory being that if you build a link there today, maybe the Dior looks good and the traffic looks good. So today, right now, you can verify okay, Google is sending it a lot of traffic. It's probably fine, like I should build the link. But the risk is that in the future, as Google continues to iterate and get smarter, that maybe they nullify the, the value in the future just because the pattern of this website linking out to, to other low-quality places just gets stronger and stronger over time. And the Google algorithm continues to get smarter over time. And that, yeah, maybe it gets nullified in, in the future. So that's kind of like looking at the bad neighborhood effect, if you will. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. And uh, yeah, I guess we're going to go through like the exact kind of quality tool we use to assess these factors in, in a few minutes. But the, we have a really simple way of, of like simple and quick way of looking at the outbound link profile that is, yes, stupidly simple, really. It's like so simple, you think that uh, it shouldn't work. I, I think a lot of people in SEO try and overcomplicate things and come up with sort of complex theories and stuff. But we sort of have the opposite approach of trying to get like the maximum effect from like the smallest, simplest things. And yeah, we, we have something that works pretty well for that. One thing I noticed is there's a lot of sites out there, and this is one of the kind of early red flags for me, that they cover, you know, business and finance and health and every topic under the sun. My theory is that so they can offer relevant links or guest posts to sites in, in that niche. What's your approach there? Do you build links on those sites? Like how big of a factor or big of a red flag is that? It's a really big red flag. So in the, the tool that we have, there's like one section at the bottom where we'll label whether a website is broadly focused or narrowly focused. And uh, basically we'll like deduct points from our quality scoring if the website is, is broadly focused for that exact reason that it's, it's questionable like why they would cover so many topics and it's most likely related to some sort of uh, intention to, to just yeah, sell, sell a, bunch of, uh, a bunch of shitty links. Is that like a 5% reduction, 50% reduction in score? Like how, how significant is it? 
to be honest, I, I don't know exactly how the how the uh, what percentage it will reduce the the score by right now. The tool was kind of started by me initially, but the current versions of it have been like iterated on by the team, sort of based on what what they uh, have seen. So I don't know exactly. I just know that we like generally sort of dial back uh, any of the any of the points uh, if it's too too broadly focused. But you asked uh, if you can ever build links on websites like that. And I think it depends on the other factors of a website. For example, this is, this is SEO. It always depends. Yeah, exactly. It always depends, and everyone always has different opinions. So it's kind of tricky. But so if a website, for example, writes on every topic under the sun, but it has one of those topics is relevant to you, and the content seems like it's of a reasonable quality, and also like I think the main one is if the outbound link profile is pretty clean uh, and it has decent DR, decent traffic, then I would think like it kind of balances out. I, I think link building these days, like assessing the quality of, of a link, every link has some good things about it and some bad things about it. And the question of whether or not you should build that link is more like which way the scales tips, like do the redeeming factors outweigh the sort of uh, the factors, bad factors or not. And so in certain circumstances, I think you you can build links on websites like that. So th this tool you've got is at weareach.com forward slash quality. That's the right URL, is it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay. So I think what we're going to do now is you've prepared a few examples of sites at sort of different ends of the spectrum and, and some in the middle as well. Uh, and we're going to use your tool to kind of go through it and assess and kind of talk about what makes a a site good as a as as one to get a link from or what what makes it perhaps not so good so yeah we are reach.com slash quality if you guys want to follow along at home or if you're watching on youtube um we'll put some b-roll up as we're we're going through this but um yeah what's the first site you got for us the first site that we have is uh woodenearth.com uh, the way that i wanted to go through this was to talk about it in terms of like what is my sort of gut reaction as someone with like a lot of SEO experience when I look at the website? Like, do I think this is going to be a good or a shit website, basically? And then looking at like, what is the sort of output of the tool that we've designed? Because when I look at the website or when anyone who's experienced in SEO looks at it, you have like all of your kind of preconceptions and experiences that, that and you should be like pretty good at like assessing the quality uh, of a website. But the tool is designed to be like much more objective and based on sort of uh, exact metrics or like yes, no answer type of things to simplify it and make it a bit more standardized. So that was the the format that I was thinking to go through this with. So uh, with uh, woodenearth.com, um, if I if I look at that website, like my my knee jerk uh, reaction is that uh, like it looks it looks pretty good. It looks like a legit sort of trustworthy business uh, like it's not just a content website that is pumping out a, a bunch of content and like uh, trying to, to monetize with with links or anything else like there's a more significant business model than that uh under this like they're actually trying to sell products the branding looks decent the website looks unique and everything so that's my that's my knee-jerk reaction when when i look at this i think they've, they've got a, a few good solid like eat things in there as well like first of all it's a real business looks like an e-com perhaps drop shipping you know they've got their phone number on there there's like discount codes where they ship like all that information that a real real company would have i'd say like the theme you know, it, it kind of gives me that like WordPress default theme vibes a tiny bit. It's not too bad. And I wouldn't necessarily write them, write them off for it. But that's, yeah, I mean, I'd first impressions, I, I'd agree. Like I, I would 
be inclined to look at this favorably as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's at least decent. If we go and and look at the tool, so we have screenshots of the output of the tool. I guess you can you can put it up in B roll uh, on on YouTube. Um, and if you look at the output, yeah, indeed, uh, our tool in the bottom right hand corner of this uh, screenshot passes uh, passes the uh, the website. Uh, just to run through the tool quickly, the the first section is uh, the Dior, and then TOR just below that stands for traffic. So Dior 54, 3,500 traffic. So that's fine. The next section then is like the outbound link profile quality. Should I take a sec to explain how that works now before we we continue? So the the way the outbound link quality works is we basically load the the like outbound links profile uh, in in Ahrefs, uh, and then uh, we filter that for these few keywords that you can see uh, in in the screenshot. So casino, SA, CBD, loan, and VPN. And the thinking here, this is the stupidly simple method that I mentioned a few minutes ago. The thinking here is that if a website excessively links out to these sort of questionable industries, uh, it's usually quite a strong sign that they don't have the highest quality standards with their outbound linking. That's what we found. And it's not going to be perfect in all cases. Sometimes you'll have a website that links a lot to, to websites about, or like casino websites or essay writing services or something. And, but overall, like if you dig more in the website, it still is, there's a good reason for that. But like this works, this is like 90% effective, like 90% of the time, something like that. So there's, there's a few cases you need to look out for. But, uh, aside from that, it's like super quick and, super objective. We had kind of some struggles with this in our team about getting like everyone, all the link builders on the team to have the same opinion of a link. And part of it was because some people would just like look at the websites or, or all of these factors in a different way. But uh, standardizing it like this made it quite objective. And we can draw a line of like, this is the amount of sort of questionable outbound links that we're okay with in an outbound link profile. And this is where you cross, cross the line. So that's what this section is designed to do. And Mark mentioned the, the URL where you can get this tool uh, yourself as well. If you go and get that, there's a video that explains like a little bit more about how to use this exactly yourself too. But basically you just click a link, it opens Ahrefs with a filtered outbound links report. And then you can just like quickly throw the numbers into the sheet here and uh, it will like compute all of the, the kind of scores. Um, so that's how that works. Um, the rest of the sheet uh, is is less important. We're looking at sort of the, the stability of the traffic and also like if the site is broadly or narrowly focused and then all of the formulas in the back of the sheet kind of either give it a, a pass or, or a fail down the bottom. Uh, so yeah, so to summarize, I think in this case, this website aligned with what my, my gut reaction was. I thought it was a good website. Indeed, it seems like pretty clean overall and we would build a link on this website. So, I mean, something that Gail and I talk about, talked about a lot in the podcast is the sense that you want links from sites who exist for a purpose other than to sell you links. And the site clearly, you know, it's an e-com store. That's their business. That's what they're they're there to do. So if they're, I don't know, selling links or doing some kind of exchange or or, or whatever, like that's not the sole reason that they, they exist, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I think it helps a lot. I think you could, I mean... As we said, like it always depends in, in SEO. I, like you can definitely build uh, links on like purely content websites as well, but ones that exist purely to to uh, sell links, they're gonna fail this because of like they will just link to a bunch of of shitty places. Like it's no website can have that as like their main business model to sell links, but then they refuse to sell links to like 
some of the biggest market segments that want to buy links like gambling sites, essay writing sites, like all these things that are just sort of questionable and need a ton of links. Yeah. And these com- the companies or the SEO companies doing link building for casino sites, they'll take any link, like literally any link you will you can offer them, they'll say yes to it. Yeah. So that that kind of, it was fair to say they're probably the biggest buyers, casino sites of, of links. I guess so. If you look at any sort of typical link farm, it's always like rammed with casino links. So I think that's probably a fair bet. How come you got VPN in there? That sort of surprised me because I never really categorized them when in the same boat as casino or CBD. Yeah. So that's just one that like the team kind of refined this and, and put it together. And they found that VPN had like a strong enough correlation with sort of low quality outbound link profiles to be included in there. I think you're right. Like it's definitely a more legit industry than the other ones, like and a more reputable industry. But I do still think like it has a bit of this thing of like hyper aggressive link building. And it's like, I think it's also super competitive. So the people building VPN links, like they're building, okay, links on more legit websites, but a lot of them are also like, just building as many links as they can. And it also feels a little bit like like a land grab sort of phase in the VPN industry now as well, where like they're not necessarily thinking about the long-term value of the links. It's just, we need any links that can provide any value right now so that we can like get as much exposures, exposure as we can, get uh, users on our subscription rather than the competitors. And then I guess they have a, a really long uh, lifetime value and it's sort of a new thing, not so much now, but I, I do still think it's it's probably a, a growing industry, probably growing less than it was a few years ago, but I still think like it's it's growing. So I think that's why it's probably. In- I, think, I think the big thing with VPN is it's so difficult these days to differentiate yourself based on the quality of your content. You go to, you go search for, you know, best VPN or VPN reviews or whatever on Google, you know, look at the top 10 pages. All of them are really, really, really good reviews and they all have used them and have screenshots and have tested them. And there's not really much more to say about it. Like it's, it's, it's not a massively complex product at the end of the day. So I think this is, this is why the only way to differentiate yourself therefore becomes being hyper aggressive on link building. That's probably what led to this. Yeah. And something I sometimes say to, to clients or, or anyone talking about SEO is like, you can think of like a very simple uh, SEO formula or like a Google algorithm formula as like uh, content quality slash optimization multiplied by like topical authority multiplied by links, something like that. And if you think about the first two of those, there's only so much you can optimize your article. Like you said, there's only there's only so much you can say about a specific topic that you're trying to rank for. Like there's only so uh, much you can increase the quality of a specific article, but the endpoint, like the links, that has no ceiling at all. And so I think in any competitive industry, it always ends up coming to the links just because of of how the algorithm works. Like anyone with a competent SEO strategy, they're going to make good content. It's going to be awesome and it's going to be well optimized. And then how does the algorithm differentiate? And it's like, okay, who has more links? And so it always, almost always becomes like a link war at the end of the day. All right, let's talk about uh, bad sites. Can you show us a, an example of uh, an obviously bad site that, that fails this? Yeah, sure. So the next one I had on my list was uh, optimisticmommy.com. And as soon as I even read the domain of this, I already start to get bad feelings about it because like mom blogs are sort of a, a classic, uh, low quality, sort of spammy type of website. 
I don't necessarily think that it's like they started out that because they're a mom vlog. Uh, like, just put that in a context. It's like they start blogging because they're they want to blog, or there's groups of moms blogging, and you know they kind of get into it that way. But it lacks a kind of proper business model or business plan, and so they re- they don't generate much revenue. And then a casino site comes along and is like, "Hey, I'll give you two hundred bucks for a link," and they're like, "Whoa, okay, I'll just sell ten of these a month, and I'll be good." And then, you know, it's a slippery slope from there. For sure. There's no hate from me coming to the mom blogs. Like I would do it too, just the way it is. And it's just from a a link quality assessment perspective, they tend to be highly correlated with like websites I wouldn't want to link from basically. So that's the reaction that I have. And um, if indeed, if you, if you look at the homepage of this website, like I can see a a casino link uh, or like an article about casinos uh, in like one of their most recent four or five posts and also they have like we talked about earlier like they write about like seven or eight different sort of major topics like just trying to sell as many links as they can i guess and yeah all of the content just knee-jerk reaction like it's all random titles kind of stock photos uh so my sense is that these guys are this this girl (laughs) is like uh fully on the uh on the link selling train right now so yeah they got that casinoball.com link homepage link in the sidebar as well yeah with the the big logo on it and right under that it says real casino overview by casinoscout.ca yeah and then, <laughs> and then there's nice text link there <laughs> there's a few blog posts about casinos if you scroll down as well so uh yeah so not a great knee-jerk reaction to this not a great good feeling and yeah if if we look at the tool right away like it's an obvious uh, sort of fail and if you look at the total outbound link section you can see like uh, casino like there's 127 outbound links to casinos 99 outbound links to essays and like a bunch to cbd and, and loans less to vpn but generally they have hundreds of links to like low quality or what we would say low quality sort of sort of shady areas that are correlated with uh, a low quality outbound link profile and uh yeah so this is one that's obvious when you look at it that it's probably going to be shit and when you confirm that with the tool uh, it is indeed shit do you have maybe one example of a site that's a bit more borderline and and less instantly obvious and maybe show us how this this tool like the process of it evaluating that one sure so there's this one plainenglish.io which is interesting because when i look at this website it looks like a decent like somewhat legit brand if i look at the headings like i can see they have a link to their newsletter page if if i open that i can see it looks like they have kind of um like a legitimate sort of opt-in form like if i opt in here like probably i'm going to get like some reasonable information from them they have a discord community like there's some quality uh, signals here and okay the, the branding is not that significant it's like a heavy content site but it's still presented somewhat reasonably. And they have this big call to action at the top as well that if you click on it, you can see it goes to like some marketing agency um, that owns this website. So it sort of has like a more like legitimate business uh, on the back end than just a content business that aims to sell links. That's how it appears on the front end, at least. Then if we look at it in the tool uh, though, it actually fails uh, our tool because it has too many, it actually has a low quality outbound link profile. So it's not as extreme as the previous one we just uh, looked at. But uh, yeah, if, if you look like they link out to like just a handful of each of these websites, a handful of casino websites, a handful of essay websites and and so on. 
And that's just a bit too excessive for us, even though the DR is really high and the amount of traffic is really high and it, it might be a valuable link now. Uh, I think this pattern of linking out to low quality places means that in the future, it, it might not be anywhere uh, near uh, as valuable as it uh, appears now. And so it's a, it's a fail based on this tool. And so I think this is an example of one that gut reaction from like an experienced SEO, I would think it seems reasonable. But when I do a proper assessment with the tool, it actually fails. Okay, cool. So the URL is wearereach.com slash quality. And I believe you also have a, a big blacklist available somewhere on your site as well. Like how many sites are in there and how did you did you develop that through through this or yeah so it's very closely connected to the quality tool uh, basically we're checking like thousands or maybe some months tens of thousands of of links like this and anyone like with our quality tool our link builders are checking the links and anyone that fails the quality tool we just add it to a blacklist and so we have this blacklist that every month uh, just grows bigger and bigger of of sites that we've manually checked and that have failed uh, failed our list it's at weoutreach.com slash blacklist if, if you want to get access to it. And we basically just built a simple Google Sheets dashboard on top of the on top of the, the blacklist. So you can go like plug in like a list of URLs there. It will compare it to our database and return a report of like, okay, here's the ones that are flagged on our, our database uh, already. It's not huge yet. We've we've been pushing it particularly the last few months. So it's it's growing more and more now, uh, and we're yeah collecting more data uh, every, every month. So it should get more valuable over time. Yeah, and it's free, so there's no reason sure. not yeah. to not to do that as well. Cool. Okay, so let's talk now about offering value, because I remember when I started building links that you just had to kind of be nice and ask for a link, and that was enough. But those days are long gone now. You talked a little bit earlier about you know doing link exchanges, building relationships, paying people how let's get into specific so how do we do each of those three things this should be like the whole basis of your outreach these days is like how can i provide value to them like we we talked about earlier uh you should start with like choose one to start because like it's a basic sort of marketing or copywriting principle uh, i guess that you don't want to give someone too many options and sort of confuse them in the process so it's much better like for example, I would choose guest posting or link exchanges as like your one to focus on first. So focus your initial template on on either of those things and then see how they react and take the conversation from there. If they're not into it, go and like offer the other things uh, as 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 a backup. But the key thing is, yeah, you really need to delay gratification in terms of getting a link for yourself and focus on like, how can I make you satisfied and happy first? And then they'll be happy to kind of give you a, a link in exchange. And what you're going for here is, we mentioned these like three types of websites earlier, like some that have just got completely jaded. They don't give a shit about anyone who's building links anymore. They're not gonna respond to you no matter what you do. There's the other ones that are just completely sold out uh, and just like sell links to anyone. And then there's this these middle ground ones who they will link to you under certain conditions. And those conditions are like, firstly, you gotta be relevant uh, and have something link worthy for them. And uh, the second thing is you need to provide value for them with with one of these approaches. And that's, I think, the basis of like successful outreach link building these days. So start with one and offer the others as backup if, if they're not into that. And, you know, like, can we get into some specifics? Like how much are you paying for links if you're if you are paying for links these days? Like and has have prices been increasing? We definitely pay for links. 
The prices have not increased that much for quality links. I think the average we pay now is like somewhere between $60 and $100. If there's a particularly nice link, we'll, we'll be willing to pay more for it. And there are some links that, because we're an agency and we have limited budget for each client, there are some links that cross our desk that like we can't afford to pay for just because like there are these like $500, $600 links, but they're on really, really nice websites. And if you have a nice website yourself, or if, you, if you're doing link building for your own website, like you can definitely, I think it's justifiable to pay that rate for, for those, those links. What types of sites are those? Are, are, is, is it like, and who is it that's, that's offering you that? Is it the owner of it or is it some like corrupted editor in there? What's the, what's the deal? I, th- I think it's mostly the owner or like someone whose job it is at, at the company. Like they've identified this as part of their business model, like a monetization channel. And also they know their value. So these are people who are in SEO. They understand what makes their website like a high quality website versus like the other kind of shitty link farmy websites, they understand their value and they they set the price that they think is worth it. And yeah, most of the times they'll have really high Dior, 60, 70 plus. They'll have like tons of organic traffic. And overall, they'll also be like a legit sort of trustworthy uh, brand. And uh, yeah, so they can, they know they can demand the high rate and they do. One of the things I liked about you, and I don't know if you did this deliberately with a name like We Outreach, like you, you actually outreach Whereas there are, I know you said most link building agencies are outreach, but there are a lot out, out there that they just reuse the same pool of relationships or probably not even the best word to describe it um, over and over again. So obviously if you guys have grown. How, how many people have you got working for you now? 20 something, I think 23. Wow. Okay. So, and how many links are you building a, a month? Like I think last month we built 417 or something like that. Wow. 400 ish. Okay. So s- some serious volume then. Are you still outreaching for most of those links or what percentage are coming from repeat sites that you're, you're building links on? We do outreach for, for every client, but I think the big thing is we can sort of segment that outreach a lot because we've been doing so much outreach like we've processed or tried attempted to contact like millions of websites over the last few years and we have a lot of data of like we know a lot of times like which ones are just going to reply and say like yeah just give me 50 dollars, i'll link wherever you want we also have like this growing blacklist so we know which ones are like not worth outreaching to anymore and then obviously we know ones too that are like okay they fit into this like um this category of website that is like willing to link out, but under certain conditions, like I talked about. And so, uh, and obviously like we recontact those sometimes and we'll like leverage the existing relationship that we have with them. If we've done a link exchange with them before, like we'll say, hey, it worked out great for us both last time. Like, can we do another link exchange with you this time? We have another site that we want to work with or or whatever. I don't really know the exact percentages of of how it, it breaks down, to be honest. But uh, it's still the core of it. Still is uh, still is outreach. But it's like yeah, hev- heavily sort of optimized using all of this uh, data that we have. And I think the links that we build, like there's a mix of like okay, some are like oh, we built links with this website like a few months ago. We know they're into it. It's relevant for this new client we just got. So let's go like land another link there. And then there's a few more that come from just like a totally fresh website that we've never emailed before that we're emailing for the first time from for this campaign. They respond, we end up getting a link uh, f- from them. And it's kind of a, a bit of a, uh, a mix overall. 
as a large agency, you know, you obviously have resources and stuff and you, you, you build these relationships over time. Thinking to the kind of solopreneur who's just started their site in, in 2023, they're being told, oh, you need to build relationships. But like, I've always wondered when people say that, oh, just, just build relationships. Like, how do you actually go about building a relationship? Is it just a case of doing one deal, one link exchange, one guest post or something, leaving a positive impression, then trying to go again or is there is there something more to it than that well i think it all starts with like the first deal and i think the thing you need to overcome at the start is any website that is decent is going to treat you with a lot of skepticism and their default stance is to not trust you and think you're a bullshitter and you need to overcome that somehow and i think the best way to do that's why i think the best way to to start the relationship is to offer them value uh, up front and like link exchanges are, are really good for that for example because you can sort of present this to them of like okay i want a link from you but uh, and if you're if you're into that like cool tell me and, and we can talk about it but to start this i don't want you to link to me right now i don't want you to do anything right now i just want to know you're okay with this and then i'm gonna go and find you like an, an awesome or a link from some other awesome website that is just as high quality as yours i can see that you value that and trying to frame yourself as like that you're on the same page as this other quality or, or this other high quality website. Like, hey, we both know all the bullshit that's going on in this industry. Let's you and I take a little step over to the side here and try and do this in a higher quality way and make a higher quality sort of deal. And I think you want to, yeah, you, you want to try and build those sorts of relationships. And it starts by overcoming this like trust barrier, like their default stance that they they just don't trust you. You overcome that first by like doing something for them. A link exchange is a great one, a high quality guest post, like whatever. So would, would that be something like when you're building a guest post somewhere else, you get you link to them as well as yourself to kind of add value that way before they have to do anything? Or even just like, I think it's worth investing in the relationship up front. So if you get someone who is into that, who will do like a three-way link exchange, you just go and like find another website and arrange a similar deal. And for example, with like, let's call it website one, and then you go to website two and say, hey, website two, like if I link to you, will you link to this other website in, in return? And hopefully you have a high quality website so you can convince website two that they're getting a high quality link from you. Uh, and then in return, they're happy with that. And then they will link back to website one. And then that's how you, you please uh, both of these websites at the start. And I actually, so you, the way that I would think about it with link exchanges, is when you build a really good link for one of them, you overcome this like trust barrier. Uh, they start to like you. They realize that you're legit. So this whole framing that you've said of like, okay, we all know this is bullshit. Let's you and I step over here and make a higher quality deal. Now you've followed through on that and they know that you will like stand behind your word and deliver on what, what you say. And also, uh, they also now owe you. So like you've built a link for them, they owe you a link. But I wouldn't necessarily cash in on that link for yourself right away. I would actually consider like you're probably doing an outreach campaign. You're getting like many of these opportunities coming across your desk. And I would consider using that link that they owe you to like link to someone else and like impress them with another high quality link. And if you do this enough, you start to build up like a critical mass of people of websites where you've overcome this trust barrier and now they trust you. And then eventually you can start to ask for more from them as in. Like, okay, let's do another link exchange, but 
hey, this time, could, could you do the link first? Like maybe you link to me first and then give me three, four weeks, I'll get a link back to you from somewhere else. And they already know you're legit. They already trust you. And then you can start to get more out of the relationships in that way. So I think it's worth investing in that a little bit uh, at the start. And yeah, building up this this network slowly but surely. What kind of numbers are we talking about to build up that critical mass? Uh, 10, 20? I think you can kind of feel it out, but already at, at 20, like that's a, if you have really good relationships with 20 other high quality websites, that's already a lot for you to start working with. And if you, if you think about then, okay, I have these 20 websites now. Now when I do my next uh, round of, of campaigns and I get, I can, when I promise someone like, Hey, let's you and I step over to the side and let's do a higher quality deal. If they agree to that, you know, okay. I'm going to go and like pick one of these from my 20 websites and I know 100% I can get you an awesome link. Like if you agree to this, I'll, I'll get it for you by tomorrow. And it, it just makes it a total no-brainer for this new website. You overcome the trust barrier with them and now they love you as well. And then you have a, they owe you another link as well and it just kind of grows from there. So I think the, the, you want to try and be the nexus uh, that connects all of these websites and you provide value to everyone and then everyone loves you in return and it's easy for you to start getting your own links then. It seems certainly for higher quality sites that, that that is a much more compelling offering of value than, hey, I'll give you 50 bucks for a link kind of thing. Cause they, they probably don't want to be associated with, or at least some of them with, you know, selling links. But yeah, getting a, another link from a DR70 site or something that they'd be all over that. Yeah. It's much more uh, compelling. And in many cases, it's the only way that you can compel them to work with you and, and get a, a link from them. And the other really nice thing is, if they care about links, they care about SEO and usually they have high standards. And that means that they're like a really good site is one thing, but it also means that they're building their own links most likely over time. And so if you get a link from them over the next two years, your link from them is just going to get better and better. And it's like the opposite of like a link farming type of link where you get a link from them and then the next two years, that link just gets worse and worse and worse. So I think it's a really powerful way to build really, really good links. And I think it's a trend that's happening in the link building industry now. I think I kind of saw it starting slowly, like one and a half, two years ago, but I think it's still building now. And I think we'll see the, the trend get stronger in, in the future. And I kind of see how the, how the internet will eventually become like kind of a two tier society where like nowadays people are still doing outreach and guest posts and stuff like that. But in the future, when everyone is doing like these closed three-way link exchange type of deals, to for your for your website to be successful like and get access to these links you will need to find a way to work yourself into these networks so that you can participate in all of this and i think if you start working on it on it now and then build it consistently over time it can be a real asset over the next few years does that fundamentally change your prospecting in terms of are you looking to contact the seo manager more than the editor or personal works of the blog or the writer say I don't know that we've experimented uh, enough with kind of the difference in effectiveness between those two things. I, I think at the start of our prospecting, we're still just trying to find the best person to, to outreach to. And the start is all about just getting the conversation going. And it's, yeah, whoever you can find, uh, really. Sometimes you, like, pretty often you can find someone with an SEO title in their, or SEO in their job title, but you can't find anyone specifically about content. So they're your only good option anyway, or vice versa. But uh, once you get in the door, like a lot of times with these really leg legit companies who care about their SEO, they all know what they're driving towards in terms of SEO. And they know that link building is an important part of that. And so no matter who you contact, if you can give them this compelling message about like, hey, 
I can give you value that like is really difficult for you to get anywhere else, then if it's not the right person, they'll pass it to the right person and they'll CC the person in or something uh, like that. So I, yeah, you do your best with finding the right person, but I think your, your message and your offer and the value that you can provide is, is really powerful in this case too. Cool. All right, Jason. Well, thanks very much for that. Is there anything that I haven't asked you about link building that I should have asked you? I think we covered a lot of ground. I think we covered the main points. So yeah, I, I think we've done a pretty good job. I mean, we could probably fill three or four podcasts uh, worth of stuff with like talking about all sorts of uh, different uh, segments of this. But I think, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing else significant and big uh, comes to mind uh, right now. I think we've done a good job. Well, we'll have to have you back in, in future and maybe not wait four years this time and, and go through some of those things next time then. Um, so if anyone wants to get link building from, from We Outreach, I mean, you guys work for, what, what type of clients do you work for? So as some people might know, like we, we kind of got started in the Authority Hacker Pro community and we still work with a lot of uh, Authority Hacker Pro members and just people who are aware of, of your guys' brand uh, in general. And then beyond that, like mostly, mostly like small businesses, like medium sized businesses, think like uh, an e commerce type of business that has like 10 ish staff and who is like really focused on SEO. We have like a, a lot of, a lot of clients of around that size as well, or like s small SaaS companies, like less than 20 staff, like people, people like that, as well as like authority sites. And I think the main thing for us is that you got to have a solid SEO strategy and like really know what you're doing and produce like a lot of high quality content and understand where links fit into your overall SEO strategy, because then we can just come along, plug in the, the link building thing that we're like really good at. And then the whole thing comes together to make for like a successful SEO strategy. And I, I think it's worth saying as well. I mean, we, we're a, a past client of yours as well. And like the quality of vetting, I think that we talked about there, it really does bring through to the the end result and you know it sidesteps a lot of the potential issues with link farms and, and these kind of sites that you can get with with some agencies out there i know but if someone wants to sign up like what they just go to weoutreach.com and, and get in touch yeah pretty much go to weoutreach.com there's like a big uh, call to action button at the top click that it'll take you to a contact form fill it in and uh yeah we'll, we'll get back to you in in a day or two we have space for like 10-ish clients right now so Usually our capacity is is pretty pretty limited, but uh, we uh, just hired some some new link builders and have uh, some excess right now. But I would imagine it will fill up pretty quickly after this goes live. Yeah, so so don't hang around to to get in touch with Jason then. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Thanks very much, Jason. Uh, really appreciate you coming and sharing uh, all the latest on uh, how you guys build links. Uh, that was a good episode. If you guys enjoyed this show and are following on YouTube, don't forget to leave it a like. If you have any questions for Jason on YouTube as well, leave a comment and uh, I'm sure he'll be on there to, to reply as well. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the next episode of the Authority Hacker Podcast in two weeks time. And if you are on YouTube, you will see an actual YouTube video, which is not on the audio feed. So if you're only listening to this on audio, go subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't already. Um, so you don't miss out on those as well. Other than that, thanks everyone. And we will see you in two weeks time for the next episode.